Hey there team, and welcome to episode 3 of Breaking Art, the podcast. As usual, as always, I'm Jason Naylor, wedding photographer, creative, quirky, documentary wedding photographer, wedo.net.nz, check us out. So, what do you do in your spare time? What do you do on those commutes, on your bus ride, on your train journey? What do you do sitting on the couch at night time? What about your weekends? What about those moments in between the big events of your day? Well, today's guest was writing on his bus or train journey in the morning. But he wasn't just writing anything. He was writing stories for his kids. His kids loved it so much that they'd make sure that every day he had something new. And that forced him to continue to write day after day on his commute. Fast forward a couple of years and he's made redundant. And what does he do? He doesn't wallow in his situation. He doesn't drink away his redundancy. He went all in made this writing thing a full-time gig. You'll hear all about it in today's interview. Today's interviewee is James Russell, children's book author. Now, I have to confess, I probably sound like a little bit of a fanboy in this interview. There's probably a lot of wows and oh my gods as I listen to his interview, so you'll have to apologise my superlatives as we, as we chat in the combi. Um, but I hope you enjoy his story. Here we go, James Russell. All right, good morning, and welcome to the Breaking Out podcast. Thanks. Today we have James Russell, author, children's book author, correct? Correct. Correct, and we're sitting up here in the most amazing part of Auckland where I've never ever been before. Um, explain to me where we are here today, James. So this is the uh, Otuatoa Stonefields. I hopefully I've pronounced that properly. Um, it is on the Manukau Harbour, and uh, this bit of land here is currently a bit contentious. The local... Iwi uh, are upset that Fletcher Building has a plan to build 480 homes here. Uh, and it's been approved by the council, but I think some of the councillors uh, actually went back and said if they had their time again, they wouldn't have approved it. So, um, yeah, this could turn out to be another bastion point. We'll have to wait and see. Wait and see, yeah. And we, and we sit here looking out the window, and it's a beautiful, peaceful day. There's a whole lot of signs and flags here that are effectively saying things like we stand in solidarity... World Heritage Site, um, effectively just stay away. Yeah, Don't well, so there was land. a, yeah, you know, pre-European times, there was um, a lot of Māori lived down here, and further down the road here is the Stonefields, um, and that was, yeah, a lot of people lived out there and fished off the end into the um, into the Manukau Harbour. The harbour, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's a really beautiful spot. It There's is. a public avocado orchard here, and, you know, a lot of people use it just for walking around. Stunning yeah, spot. Yeah, it is a great spot. So thanks for bringing me here today. I love it. This is a, this is a clearly a, a, a key part of your life, is it? Yeah, it's special, yeah. Life. Yeah, yeah we, so um, I live in Mangari Bridge, and uh, we're, uh, you know, if we have some leisure time, we're often up Mangari Mountain, which is a beautiful mountain. And it's one of the few, actually, in Auckland that doesn't have a road going to the top, which is amazing. You have to hike it. Yeah, no Yeah, or, or out here. So, um, yeah, it's a really special spot, actually. Fantastic. Well, it's great to be out here with you today. So you're a kid's children's book author, right? But you, this is a very recent development for you, isn't it? This is, was it five or so years ago you wrote your first children's book? Yes. So I was a, um, I was a journalist for the New Zealand Herald. Uh, and I've been, I was there for 12 years. Um, and so I was made redundant about 18 months ago. And uh, 18 months from today or from when you wrote yeah, the first Yeah, was it 18? Yeah, 18 months or so. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little longer. And uh, I actually started writing books in 2012. Uh-huh. So I started before I finished, uh, before I was made redundant. I see. Um, but so, yeah, I was, I was kind of doing it on the side. I see. 
Uh, and then when I was made redundant, I thought, here's my chance to um, to have a go at making this, uh, you know, making this my my profession. Your thing. Yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah. that's what I've done. And, and, you know, it's paying the bills and I'm, I'm making that work. So it's pretty exciting. Brilliant. And that's fundamentally, that's what I want to talk about here today. So let's go through that journey. So you've been a journalist for many, many years. Yeah. Up until about a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. writing for the paper. And you were writing children's books on the side. You have a couple of young boys, correct? That's right, yeah. So uh, they're now eight and ten, but uh, yeah, but I started in 2014, so sorry, 2012. Uh, and I started writing, I wrote The Dragon Hunters. I wrote three stories, actually, and I, I used to write them on the train going to and from work at the Herald. Um, and then uh, I, I kind of intended them just to be for my own children. Yeah, I can imagine that. I actually love the idea of that, because I sit there with my daughter reading books to her at night, and then... Quite often, we'll just put the books down, and I'll just tell her a story. Yeah, they love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Right? That was she the idea, it. and that's that, what you were doing. But I wrote it down, and every day they'd pick me up from the train station and say, "What have you written today?" Oh, you so I had it's to amazing. have something. I had yeah. to have something to give them. Um, and and you know, I turned, I read it to a few of their friends and a few other people on holiday, and then thought, "This, you know, this has actually got some legs." Uh, I found an illustrator. Actually, I went to interview. Um, I went to interview Mark and Rowan Somerset, who uh, have Dreamboat Books, which are really successful indie publishers and authors. Um, Rowan's the illustrator, Mark's the writer, husband and wife team. Um, and they live on Waiheke Island. And I went over there to interview them. And I and I had the script. Uh, I had my manuscript for these books. And I showed Mark. And he said, yeah, that, you know, they need a little work. But, you know, they've got something. potential. Yeah. So, um, and it was kind of talking to them that I got... Uh, you know, kind of got the courage up to have a crack and do this indie publishing because, okay. you know, and because I, I didn't, I thought this is either going to go two ways. It's either going to be sweet and I'm going to make some money and everything's going to be fine or else I'll be 70 years old and I have 2,000 books in the garage and I'll be trying to hand them to any child that comes Anyone near. Anyone take them, please. So, um, yeah. and luckily it was, uh, luckily it was the former. Yeah. Okay. So we'll talk about the publishing side of things and also the collaboration with your illustrator a little bit, a little bit later on. But I just want to go back to the writing process. You were, writing's obviously something you do. Did you study writing or how did you find yourself, um, no, I didn't. No, I, I, um, I can't say I wasted my time at university. I did a, year of uh, med intermediate of course I was fresh out of school and having too much fun so I didn't get good enough marks to get into med school did a year of law was bored senseless just couldn't believe how boring it was and then I went on and did uh, a commerce degree in marketing uh-huh. yeah yeah me too uh, and it was really just because I didn't know what else to do <laughs> yeah, exactly I was in the same boat yep. and so I've never used it yeah, ever yeah. once and I was a chef for a good few years overseas I lived in Ireland for eight years um, and and then I just happened to meet a, a an editor of a local newspaper in Ireland uh, in the pub, as you do, and and I said, "Do you need any writers?" And he said, "Yeah." So I, um, he said, "Write me something, and I'll have a look at it." So that's what I did, and he said, "You can start on Monday," and that's kind of how I got go. started. There you go. What a great story. Yeah, and when you're working on one of those small regional papers, you can you get to have a crack at everything. You know, yeah. you're not just stuck in one little beat or one round. Yeah. Um, you get to have a go at everything, court reporting and the whole shebang. So it was a real kind of Jumping at the deep end, sort of learning to yeah. learning that trade. So, given your background in newspapers, then transitioning to writing anything, but even kids' books, is actually not that big a jump, right? You know yeah. how to write. You know how to put words on paper and structure a story. Yeah, I do think I do think working as a journalist for too long is quite um, destructive to 
creative right. writing actually right. because is 12 years it's just too long so or? oh i don't know maybe okay. maybe it's long enough to kind of hone the craft of of um i don't know you know grammar and punctuation and all the rules and everything that works and and flow and so on but um actually it does teach you how to tell a story quickly and economically which yep. is quite useful too yeah but um i found that when i would come to trying to write creatively uh found that it was slipping away actually right um but it's it comes back which um yeah, it was just great i didn't Thankfully, know if it would yeah, but yeah. yeah that kind of creative loose sort of um subconscious well you know stream of conscious flow does kind of come back it was there it's always there under the surface for you yeah, and, and yeah. You, you did nurture it back. but you get so used to writing in that structured fashion as a journalist too much structure. that um yeah, maybe yeah. it gets hidden a little bit. I see. So were you always intending to... Because there's three books. You've got a trilogy of children's picture books here, right? Yeah, trilogy of picture books and now, now two novels, two and children's novels. was it novels. always going to be a trilogy? Did you just start writing a story and when it finished, the kids said, we want more, go from there? Yeah. No, it, like I say, it was just stories no for plans. the kids, really. Yeah. It was... Uh, I wrote two and then I think I was... I can't remember. I think I'm... Maybe I wrote three... Um, before you'd even before I decided to publish, I, I think I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had a little bit of a body behind you, essentially. Yeah. and it, it's amazing how some step. of these. It's amazing how some of these things are so fortuitous because uh, I wrote uh, I wrote the three. I had them done, but I realised when I before I published the first one that I wanted to have a map in it, and that map I was able to put all the places that were used in all three of the books um, onto that map so that. You know, the, when you're reading the first one, you can see all these places that mean nothing to the book you're reading. But then later on, as you go through the series, so there's things like that which, um, which I never planned, but just they just came out. You know, they worked well. Uh, yeah, because I did wonder that because I do have a couple of the books, and I was I was curious about whether they were all written with the same kind of plan in mind, or whether something was crafted for the first one, and then you just sort of jumped on that same journey for the next two. Yeah, not really. I was no. I was very lucky actually that I did do that because. You know, now that I know a little more about the publishing industry, the series of books go really well. Yeah. The trilogies go well. Yeah. I had no idea about any of that. No, but, but you look back and you say, yeah, it was the right thing to do. Absolutely. And if you're doing it again, you, you do the same yeah. sort of thing. Okay, so so you you were looking at self-publishing, right? You got some advice from those mates on Waiheke yep. who said, you've got something here. Go with it. And so you, you looked to self-publish these books. Yeah, I, well, I rang an agent uh, and they said, uh, have you been published? And I said, no. Uh, and they said, well, you know, for us to take you on as an as a literary agent, you probably need to have been published. Yep. And I said, well, yeah. I thought, well, you you know, you and then you contact a publisher and they say, have you got an agent? <laughs> you got to come to us w- through an agent, you know. Um, so, yeah, you're stuck. And yeah. I rang, I think I rang one agent, got that spiel, rang one publisher or spoke to somebody in the publishing industry, found out that and thought, ah, I'm just going to do this on do my myself. own. Love yeah. It. yeah. And uh, so I never went through that phase of getting heaps of rejection letters. Yeah. Um, and you're still self-publishing now, even with yeah, the two story I books? Yeah, I wouldn't stop now. So, well, my uh, I'm self-publishing in New Zealand, but my the trilogy of children's books has been published all over the world now by um, by Source Books uh, in the US and also uh, China Youth Press in China. Right. But Source Books are also uh, putting them out in Canada and Australia uh, and the UK. Did they seek you out? Did you find them? No. So them? when I was made redundant, uh, I I got a redundancy check and I spent some of that money going to Italy, to Bologna, to the Children's Book Fair. Oh. Yeah, and I filled my backpack with books. 
Wow. And uh, and I spent three days wandering around the halls, and I was it was the last day, and I was kind of over it, and I was pretty exhausted. And uh, and I walked past this stand, and I didn't realise that they were a publisher. I thought they were services to it to the publishing industry of some kind, but. What I did know is that they had sweet-looking, comfortable couches. So I went in <laughs> your butt down there. Yeah, and <laughs> just sat down and was just sort of chilling for a while. And this lady came out, sat down beside me, and um, and she turned out to be the head honcho of this publishing company. And she said, what are you doing? We just got chatting. She was cool, this lady from Chicago. And uh, and she, as she said, oh, show me the books. So I pulled them out of my backpack and showed them to her and within about she looked at them for about 20 30 seconds and went i'll publish those wow so just like that i had a i had a publishing deal yeah amazing end of some, a few exhausting days at this fair just sitting on your butt yeah and someone comes over and chats to you and there you go yeah publishing and the best deal. thing was so for each of the three titles you she gave me like to make that happen though right which is the key thing absolutely you made the effort to get over there and yeah came together for you and and the best thing was is that um I got an advance of like seven and a half thousand US dollars for each of the titles, so uh, that was amazing. Um, and I put that with my redundancy money, and I suddenly had enough to, you know, pay for eight months of mortgage and yep. uh, and keep my family going. Fantastic. And that's when I got writing the, the novels in yeah. earnest. You know, I thought, yeah. right, I need more. That's when you said, I'm all in. Yeah. Yep. I could find another job maybe with another paper or some sort of outlet or actually I'm onto something here. Yeah. And I'm gonna go all in with this um with this book writing. Yeah. Fantastic. And that's where the first of the two books started, right? So we've got book one here, which is the Dragon Defenders, and book two, Dragon Defenders, which and book two book one was published earlier this year, is that correct? That's right, in April. In April, and then book two is due at the start of next month. That's right. Start of November. Yeah, amazing. So yeah, so, so book of... one is cranked. It's it um it went to number one in New Zealand for um children New Zealand authors for uh, chapter books. I saw that. But novels. Congratulations. Yeah. Well thanks. done. That's fantastic. And it's yeah, it was stayed there for four or five weeks, and then uh and I've pretty much sold out of my original print run. Like my print run was five thousand. Yeah. Um, which. You know, no one prints five thousand children's books in New Zealand because they just think it's mad. You know, right. like you don't That's sell that many. Crazy number, right? It's um, a crazy number of any sort of books, but yeah, for kids' books is yeah. even, even crazier. Yeah. Well, in this country, you know, yeah. it's it is a good going. So, and yeah. I've just reprinted it. So, well done. Um, long may that continue. Yeah, that is fantastic. Hopefully, the James. second one does as well. And so, in the space of of a year and a half, you've written two novels here, really. Yeah. Well, that's my goal. So, two a year. Uh, uh-huh. And so there's going to be at least yeah. five or six in oh, this particular you've got plans series for a bigger series here. Mm-hmm. So I'm really, really impressed. I have I've read the picture books, but I haven't read these books yet. But I will move on to them with my children one day. I know it. But I'm I'm really impressed that you've actually managed to write these in that period of time. To me, that seems like quite a daunting thing, right? I mean, all, I think all of us have a book in us, and all of us dream of one day writing something in some way or another. Most of us never start. You've finished. <laughs> What's your process like for for writing a book like this? Um, you're pretty dedicated. You sit down and just yeah. smash it out day after day. Do you have to find time for it? How does it work for you? It's kind of like, um, you know, it's like a song that you can't get out of your head. Actually, when when you start writing, so you're you're so into the story that you know I wake up at four in the morning and realise that I need to do this or figure out the next bit of the story or consumes you full on. Yeah. yeah. So, so generally I try and, um, I, I'll knock out the first draft in about three weeks, Amazing. but there'll be plenty of thinking before that. Um, but I'll sort of, yeah, bang it out 
and I, I can yep. write sort of seven or eight hours a day before wow. I burn out. Yeah, I, I can understand that. That thinking before that, though, right? What does that process look like for you? Yeah, that's. Um, I've kind of got this. I don't know. It's kind of the way I approach anything, really. If if I have a problem or something to solve, I'll just uh, chew on it for a, a while, and yep. and it sort of organically comes into your head, whatever it needs to be. Yeah. You know, whether it's the best way to hang up a picture on the wall or whatever, you know, if there's something tricky to get around or fixing something, you know, it's just don't try and do it straight away. Just think it. about it for a couple of days. I love it. And it generally comes to you. And it's yep. the same with books. Um, the plot sort of reveals itself over over three or four weeks or maybe three or four months, depending on how long, you know, how far away I'm working. But um, but that's the process, really. And I'll just sort of jot, jot the, the plot points down. And then when I have it, um, it's yeah. It's just a matter of getting it, getting it down. Then yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But the real it's actually work. not as exciting the writing part of it <laughs> as it is the plotting. But but having said that, I don't have it completely figured out before I start. Often when I'm writing, I'll go, oh yes, you know, that's a good thing to happen here. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Now there are two key characters in all of these books. They are Paddy and Flynn, or Flynn mm-hmm. and Paddy, who. Happen to be your children, That's your right, boys, yeah. right? Yeah. So these these two boys obviously inspired you to write the initial stories, and then you've kept going with them through the whole the whole series here, right? Yeah. How do they feel about having characters in a book? Yeah, they were pretty chuffed to begin with. Yeah. Now they're like, yeah, you know. I think well, every time I bring out <laughs> a new book, they're pretty they're pretty chuffed. Yeah. And they, they really like them. Mm-hmm. Um, as a kid, I loved. Um, I loved super exciting books, you know. I loved ones that I just couldn't put down. I used to read the Willard Price ones, the African, yes, all those ones. Yes, I remember those. Yeah. Actually, when you read them now, you'd be shocked. They're like racist and misogynist oh, right. <laughs> and like really bad, yeah. yeah. But, you yeah. know, still exciting. Still the test of time like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, and, you know, Roald Dahl, like Danny the Champion of the World, that was probably my favourite. Fantastic. Um, and I remember when I was a bit older, I read uh, The Power of One, that Bryce Courtney book. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's probably pretty cheesy as well. I haven't, you know, I've never read it again. But I remember it was so exciting. I was lying, uh, I was lying on my bed reading it, and I, and I realised that my heart was beating really fast. I couldn't believe it, you know. I couldn't believe that there was a physiological reaction to, to something that I was reading. Yeah. Amazing. And so that's kind of what I've tried to do with, um, with these books. You tried and, to capture that. Yeah. yeah. And um, my son Flynn was a, he's a little he's um, sort of mildly dyslexic and he struggles a little bit with reading. And uh, and I wanted a book, especially for those kids, that would just be so exciting that they'd be begging, you know, not to turn out the light. And yeah. so, you know, I loved doing the old cliffhanger endings of chapters and yeah. splitting the characters up and jumping from one scenario to another and, yeah. you know, just keeping it really fast-paced. Yeah. So, um, so that, yeah, kids will just motor through it. And it's kind of been the case, you know. I get people emailing me saying my son finished it an hour and a half and – you know, they just can't put it down. So When's the next one coming out? Yeah, yeah there's plenty of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can, that's the problem. I can't write them fast enough now. can't write fast enough now. Yeah. Even two years, not enough. No. The demand's out there. Yeah. Great stuff. The dragon, or the dragons, or the dragon, is obviously a theme through the book, effectively a third or, or more characters. Mm-hmm. Is that a, does that mean something to you or your kids? Where's, uh, where's the dragon come from? Just the kids' fascination with them, really. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, obviously... Now I'm kind of in this position. I look back and, th- and think, geez, that was a good commercial decision I made back there to <laughs> yeah. include a dragon. But in actual fact, I, you know, I had no complete luck, right? Yeah, just totally. Think, it was just what my kids liked. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But fundamentally, I think you took something and you ran with it one, two, three, four, five more times, right? 
Yeah. Uh, and maybe you could have taken anything. You could have taken a, a car or a fish or something, and it might have worked just as well. Yeah. Well, so at the end, and it, you'll you'll find this out because we've just got the third book. At the end of the trilogy of picture books, um, the dragon leaves and flies away and goes forevermore. Like, it's brutal. It goes, uh, the dragon leapt upon the sill and cocked his lovely head. A, dra- uh, a dragon's tear rolled down his cheek, and with a mighty roar, he flew into the starry night, gone forevermore. It's brutal, like it's terrible. And I was reading it to these kids one day at, at a school, young kids, like six, seven-year-olds, and this little girl was just hanging on every word. She was absolutely loving it. And then she stood up and looked me in the eye. She was furious, and she goes, that ending sucks. <laughs> and uh, it teaches me, you know. And um, and it was it was kind of after that that I thought, and, and in fact, the American, my American publisher asked me to change that ending. They thought it was, they, they, I don't know, maybe the American kids can't deal with it. But um a lot of kids got quite upset with it, and other parents were like, "That's great, you know. That's, you know, it's sort of real. It's a bit realistic, and it's I don't know. I don't know why they liked it, but it seemed, you know, parents seemed to find it quite poignant that ending. Um, and and some kids are okay with it, and others can't stand it. But I thought, I thought, you know, why not do a novel series? So the novel series is set three years later, right. and the boys have grown up. They're now ten and twelve, uh, and I thought nobody. That I, I've I've never heard of a picture book series morphing into a or you know developing into a novel series. Sure. Yeah. You know, Harry Potter grows up with its audience as sure. they, as the characters sure. get older, but none of them started as a picture book. Absolutely. And and finished as a novel. Um. So I thought that's a that's a cool idea. You know, it's quite creatively, it's kind of unique. I love it, and I don't know why I hadn't clicked to what you're potentially doing before. But this can go further, right? Because as as your kids grow and as these as Flynn and Patty grow in these books, you can take this from young adult books to the next level if you want to. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Flynn and Patty can be like you know forty year old insurance brokers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how far I'll take it. But, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, it's fun for now. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Good on you. Good on you. Um, is, is this everything you're writing? Are you just writing about? Um, about Flynn and Patty and the dragons at the moment, or are you writing other things as well? Well, no. I mean, I'm, I do a little bit of journalism on the side, so right. I still do a, a few articles, and I, I do book reviews uh, for the New Zealand Herald, right. and I and I talk to Jesse Mulligan on um, on Radio New Zealand yep. every six weeks or so, doing book ch- kids' book reviews as well. But um, to be honest, like five five percent of my time is spent writing 95 percent is spent running the business yeah, and being a publisher right right right, right. so publishing marketing yourself getting yeah, yourself out there yeah it's full on you know yeah. and, and you know I, i'm distributor as well so i my garage is full of books yes i did see um, that yeah i don't you know if i gave my if i asked the distributor to to do it they would take 30 percent, and i wouldn't be able to survive again i wouldn't be able to pay the bills so i kind of have to at the moment yeah um and so everything comes down to me, and I've got to contact all the stores every yeah. four weeks. Which or... makes that award that you spoke of before of being the the number one selling New Zealand children's book even more amazing, right? Yeah, because you've done the groundwork. You've yeah. walked into all these stores and gone to them and said, "Sell it, sell it, sell it," and they have. And yeah, it's gone really well. That's the one thing stores want to know. Yeah, thanks. The, the one thing stores want to know is that um, how are people going to find out about your book, right? So you've got to come up with some good marketing yep. and you can do the traditional way um you know you send it you you know i was a journalist so i i used to get sent this stuff from penguin random house or whoever it might be saying here's a book you might be interested in do you want a review copy and i'd either say yes or no um 
instead i you know I, I do a whole bunch of quite different things really and like for example when i launched the dragon hunters i spent months building dragon's eggs out of paper mache yeah. uh, and they were the size of a football and i painted them all you know it, it took us a long time um but i had i made 30 in the end and so on the day that i launched uh the dragon hunters uh, it was november 17 2012 i planted i had a friend plant 10 eggs on north head over in the north shore uh and i did the uh one tree hill and mangari mountain and we had 10 eggs hidden in these special places on these three uh manga and so um and I posted all the clues on the website at 10 a.m. that morning. I love it. And there yeah, were kids running right. around all over the place uh, trying to find them. And if they found one, they could bring it to a store and get a free get book. A book. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, that was great. Got huge press. You know, I got a full page in the Weekend Herald. And uh, so it wasn't just it wasn't just pitching. Hey, I've got a new book. Write about it. You built this whole little marketing genius idea. Yeah. And said write about this. Yeah. So I mean, that's kind oh, of the beauty of indie publishing, right? It's, it really just comes down to your imagination and how how hard you want to work, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, which makes it really interesting, doesn't it? Because it's not just, as you say, writing's about 5% of what you do and a big part of what you do, but you actually need to wear so many more hats mm. and you need to think about the marketing of your book. You need to think about how you're trying to sell this thing. It, it, that's, that's a lot of hustle. Good on you. Yeah, absolutely. Really but I, I like it, you know. I, I think if I wrote all the time, I'd go mad. Don't say I really would, yeah. Don't actually want to be writing that much. Okay, so you've got a good balance there. You're quite happy with the amount of time you do spend writing, that 5 or 10% compared to the amount of time you spend on all these other activities, marketing your book, chatting yeah, to... You know, if I, could, if I could make a living and give the distribution side of it away, I would do that. Want to get rid of distribution, you know, yeah. That's yeah. hard. Yeah. That's just a grind, and it doesn't sort of get any easier. Yeah. I, I actually saw you, ran into you, or met you um, at a fair, a craft fair, and you were there selling books? That's right. Well, that's cool, because you oh, get yeah? people coming up and saying, we know your books, and you, uh-huh. you get that interaction with sure. the readers, sure, which is... Um, you know, it's awesome. And, and that's the main it, reason you do it? Or are you actually like selling a few books as well? Oh, selling a few books. I mean, I've got to pay the bills, you yeah, know, yeah, and yeah. it's, you know, those markets are good. But, um, but those, yeah, that, that interaction with readers is cool. And you would only otherwise get that at kind of events that your publisher set up yeah, or launches or something, right? Yeah. And yeah. also, I visit an awful lot of schools. Um, I recently did a tour in Wellington. Um, I'll be going down to Hamilton this, this school term. Um, I visited probably maybe fifty schools this year. Wow! Yeah, so that's um, amazing. And you you turn up and read them a book? Is that is that how? Yeah, it works? Oh, I've got a kind of a more I've got a full that. sort of show going <laughs> wow. on now. Yeah, yeah, really? it's a lot of fun. Like oh, the kids, wow. the poor teachers, because I just rev up the especially the juniors. They just go bananas, yeah. and then I leave. Of course, yeah. they all go back to their class, and kids teachers are crazy got to, and out of know, control. Yeah, and the idea is there that the kids go home and tell their parents they want they want this book. Yeah. Yeah, it's marketing and yeah. awareness, but it's also like the best. It's the, oh, it's probably the best part of my job. It's so fun. much fun. Most the kids fun. are classic. And do the schools lap that up because someone's coming in to do something with the kids for some period of time and they can have a bit of a break? Yeah, no, they do. They do. They um, they really love the kids learning about the writing process, especially in the editing process, you know, because yeah. they're always hassling them to edit the work. I see. Uh, so yeah, no, they love it. They, yeah. The schools really enjoy it. Good you know, they're a little bit. Sometimes when I ring them and say, "Listen, do you want me to come?" You know, because it's quite often just a cold call. Yeah. Most well, actually, now it's probably fifty percent. I've been some other, you know, I've been referred, and they've said we've heard you visit schools. Come you see know, us. Can you come see us? Yeah. So that's great. Um, but on the kind of cold calls, we're like, "Who was this guy? You know, what was he doing?" And but um, 
I think yeah, I think they're pretty happy, you know, generally yeah, after yeah. after the visit. After the experience. Yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. I, I um one of the things I also really loved about your picture books, your three picture books, were were the illustrations. Yeah. And you didn't yep. illustrate them yourself, right? You've got no, um, you've so collaborated Link, with someone. Yeah, Link Choi. He was um to uh, when I finished it when I went looking for an illustrator, I went to the media design school in Auckland and I asked them to put a notice on their notice board and Link was the first guy that came back to me. Right. I don't know what he was doing there actually at the time. He, he had been working as a um, as a props designer on The Hobbit. Oh, right. So he shouldn't have been at the school? So, yeah. I, maybe he even wasn't. It might have been someone at the school let him know about it. Sure. Um, so And he just sent me his, some of his work, and I went, yeah, he's my guy. So it was as simple as that. It was that simple. Yeah. Wow. And so Link and I worked on them together, which was also cool because normally if I was published by, you know, Random House, Penguin Random House, I would – send them my manuscript, they would choose the illustrator. The illustrator would work with an editor at Penguin Random House and um, decide what's going to be in the illustrations, whereas it was Link and I. had anything to do with it, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it was just Link and I. And there's some cool things that, you know, some little quirks in the, book, in the illustrations of the book that you may not have even noticed, you know. There's, and, the, and the third one, um, the dragon... Uh, they've given him a name. His name is Elton John. But in the second book, up in the attic, there's a uh, a little record just right down in the corner okay. of, the, of the illustration, yeah. an Elton it's John Elton. record in the yeah. corner. So, um, oh, I see. Yeah, it was kind of cool. A little like, forecasting thing there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, okay, I have to go back some, and check some that out. Some quite interesting stuff like that. Um, yeah. And Link's got, he's really kind of quirky and clever and yeah, yeah really talented guy did the books change at all when you were working with him to to illustrate them or oh definitely yeah actually yeah. link would make a good editor because he'd go we don't need that verse in there right. um we can show that through the illustration right. so it's i guess it's a little bit like uh, making movies really you can cut out a lot of dialogue because you can show what's happening rather than absolutely you know and it's completely different obviously the novels too because you you can't and I have a few illustrations in my novels, like yeah. a dozen, say, through the novel. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's a completely different skill, really, with yeah. uh, with picture books. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I've, I, I've got a, a fascination. Do you have a massive library of picture books at home for you and your kids? Oh, uh, yeah, it's pretty big. Have you got full of them? Yeah, yeah. We've, we've, we've passed a lot on now, but it, it would be big if we'd kept them all. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got a fascination with, with children's books. Um, And from what I re- have read or understand, that there's sort of a... a little bit of a formula in terms of how many pages how big it is and kind of how it flows is that right yeah and have you followed that or not so much well so my yardstick was uh what was it dr seuss was it uh called green eggs and ham i think it might have been yeah and i counted the words in it. there's like a thousand words in it yep. but i used to skip i used to try and hold two pages together because uh-huh. i'd You're be like this the, yeah. is driving me bananas <laughs> yeah. it's too long i've done that as well yeah yeah <laughs> and so especially for the eighth time you're reading it right yeah so that was a thousand words or just you get, over. You get to that point where your kids notice, though. Yeah, You're yeah. Like, Hang on, no, no, back down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Two, the pages are stuck there. And you go, oh, so they are. Sorry about <laughs> that. Um, but uh, so that's just over a thousand words. So I uh, put my picture books at five hundred, between five and six hundred words. Right. So you did have a little bit of a target there that you were aiming yeah. for. Yeah. And then I contacted the printer, um, and they said, if you can make it thirty-two pages. It'll cost you this much less. Oh, yeah, right. interesting. So there's all the stuff that you yep. just go, oh, okay, right, that's good. And some of it was amazingly fortuitous because, for example, my picture books, just 
just fit if I when I package them up they just fit into the letter size for New Zealand Post yeah. so it cost me $3 yep. to send them out yep. as opposed easily. to like 6 or something yeah that would have pissed you off right yeah yeah you go to the post office damn it yeah yeah they size um, it up I hate that yeah. yeah and the people in the post office go this can't possibly be a letter and I go check it it is you know yep. so there's all those things that were just complete accidents but they they make a difference well. you know they can you know they'll cut into your bottom line so yeah um, the more you can kind of look at that stuff, the better. And in fact, I um, when I finished publishing, I think I must have finished publishing The Dragon Tamers, my second book, I wrote down everything that I'd learned in a kind of a guide, just wow. mainly because I didn't, I didn't want to forget about it. But also because I'd had such great help from um, Mark Somerset, the Dreamboat Books guy, uh, I thought, you know, I can't sort of pay him back, but I can pay this forward a little bit. And so I give that guide to anyone that's interested for free. I just, Amazing. you know, so it's like a 5,000 word guide on how to publish books, yeah. children's books in New Zealand. Self publish children's yeah. books in New Zealand. And so. Um, how good is that? Yeah, that's been cool. And I, I must have sent it out a couple of hundred times, wow. I guess. That's yeah, because I get contacted by a lot of people who want to know about it. You're like, hey, um, this is, I've got this really So cool read out. this, and if you yeah. want to ask anything more, just yeah. get back to me. Yeah. Have you, had, have you had any really cool stories come back from that where someone's actually gone down that route and published something oh, and a bunch, had good success? Yeah, bunch. Yeah, yeah there's great. loads of people. That's great. Yeah. One, of, one of my philosophies, um, to use the cliche, is that a rising tide lifts all boats. And I just chatted with um, someone else today who has a very similar philosophy around being an artist and around giving so much back to other people. It sounds like you're kind of in a similar boat there, right? Yeah, I think it's a pretty small pool of people. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, she can help out. Why wouldn't you, really? I mean, I suppose they're, they're kind of they're your competitors, but they're yep. also, um, it's hard. It's really hard. You know, a good book's going to make it no matter what, right? Yep. If your book's no good, it's probably not going to make yep. it. If it's good, so it's going to get there some way, as long as you've got the, you know, you've got the drive to get there, whether it's sending it over and over again to different publishers or doing it yourself. Yep. It's going to make it. Yeah, sure. So, um it doesn't really matter what I do, you know, they're going to make it if they're going to make it. If they're not, they're not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of happy to help, but it's, it has become harder, I think for people, because when I started, I would ring a store and say, I've published a book. How about it? You want to stock it? Um, and they would go, uh, and I'd go, this is what I'm going to do to tell people help about it. You know, I'd tell them about my dragon's eggs, something like that, you know, and they go, okay, let's give it a shot. Yep, into that. Now, um, those bookstore owners are getting contacted a hell of a lot more. Oh, I see, because there are just there's a lot more people, people doing it. Self-publishing, yeah. I was at a, uh, I was speaking at a, a publishing conference, and uh, it was Carol Bow who owns the Woman's Bookshop in Ponsonby. She said sometimes she gets rung up five times a day by self-published authors, and she's kind of at the end of her tether. She's oh, just, she yeah. just puts, you know, uh, she, she's she just puts the phone down. Oh, I oh, think she, yeah. she's sick of being polite. Yeah. Just says no, so, yeah, just hang it up. But this, I mean, and the problem is, I guess, she's seen a lot of work that's maybe below standard. And so she just goes, I don't have time to decide whether it's good or it's bad. Yeah. But having said that, there's some amazing self-published work coming out. Some amazing work, you know, as good as any of the publishers. Yeah, oh, I know, I can imagine. It's yeah. just It is just getting harder for them to actually get, distribute it's just it. just getting in there. Get it in, yeah. Get it out so there. a lot of them are going to a distributor now. Right. Um. And trying to get in that way, yep. uh, but I guess it's even hard for a distributor to accept what the what books. Yeah. Would you 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 talked about hating distribution, and would you take on a distributor now with what you've got behind you now? I 
I still couldn't afford to, to be oh, honest. Wow, the yeah, buyer, the money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it doesn't take that much of my day. It's a bit of a drag, but it doesn't take that much of my day that I, yeah. you know, it's not. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's a small country. You know, my books are in uh, what two hundred and eighty stores, maybe around the country. Wow. So it's possible to ring them all yeah. within three days. <laughs> yeah, a few phone yeah. calls and you've got the whole country. I see what you mean. Mm. Yeah, yeah, isn't that amazing? Um, and and you're international now. How many countries have, are your books been sold in now? Uh, There's a few there. Yeah, uh, America, Canada, China, UK, Australia, uh, South Africa. Oh, and the Czech Republic, Czech Republic. Pick, picked up a um, picked up the Dragon yeah. Defenders. Fantastic! And you get some good numbers from from those. I don't know. Countries? I find out this month. Oh wow! Yeah, I see. Fantastic. I know they printed fifty five thousand copies of the Dragon Hunters, which was boggled my mind. You know, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that yeah, yeah, it'd be great. I'm yeah. hoping they don't still have 40,000 of them. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's an amazing story. Are you, talking about illustration, as we were a few minutes ago, one of the other really, really cool things about your books that I wasn't aware of until you showed me is that they're actually interactive in more ways than just reading them to, to you and your kids, right? So you've got these amazing illustrations in your books, and it's in the picture books, and it's also in, in your novels, um, and you have got an app. Or you can you've you've had an app that's been built for your phone that brings those pictures to life. That's right. Yeah. Fundamentally, right? Augmented yep. reality app. That's right. Yeah. So where'd this idea come from? Yeah. So I had a guy, um, a friend of mine, uh, Nate Martin. He lives in Dunedin, and he came up to stay with me. Uh, and he was going to a conference up here, but he works in that kind of digital space. And he um, he had a business card, and he he'd put it on the table, and he'd hold his mobile phone over it. It's, uh, and and he had this app that would play a promo video for his business, but it stayed on the surface of his card, and so he could move his card in or uh, his phone in or phone out, and it would stay on that surface of the card. And I thought that's awesome, you know. I said, could I do that on my books? And he said, yeah. And he set me up with uh, with somebody who built uh, an animation of the map that I have in the end papers of the picture books. Um, and so when you hold your phone or iPad or device over it. It all sort of springs up into a 3D landscape, and there's boys running down the hills and dragons flying around the clouds, which hover that's above beautiful. the mountain. That's amazing. Yeah, and so, um, so that's been. In fact, when I went to Bologna, I thought this is going to blow them away. They, you know, um, I thought I was the first one, but right. uh, but there was a there was a handful, but it was definitely very new. Okay. Um, well, yeah, I mean, augmented reality is still. We're still working on it, right? It's still, yeah. it's still in its infancy. Yeah. To see it actually in a book like this, it blew me away when I saw it. So I think fantastic. And and as far as you're aware, you were one of the first in New Zealand to do it, correct? Yeah, I was the first New Zealand, as far as I know. Yeah. Um, and but then I I thought I would put it into my children's novels, into the novel series, um, just because I thought it could kind of. I always loved those books that would choose your own adventure or something that was a little bit Word different. Cool. Yeah, yeah, some, yeah, there was some sort of interactive thing about it, and I thought, you know, this is really simple. Um, it doesn't all have to be three D models. I realised as well. So, in fact, in my new book, one of them is just an audio file. You hear the the helicopter pilot talking to his boss, so you just listen to it. You, you can whack on some headphones or use the speaker. Um, so, yeah, in the novel, there's a mixture of kind of three D models. Uh, 2D animation, 
there's a video of the bad guy ranting and raving. Yeah, yeah. And so um, for those, those obviously this is a podcast, so you can't see it. But every, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 pages through the book, there's just a little an image there. It's clearly obvious what that's all about. You hold the app in front of it, yep. and it comes to life. And it just starts going. Yeah. yeah. And you showed me one before, which was which was a model of a boat or a ship. That's right, yeah. Yep. And you were moving in and out of the ship and taking me on a journey around the ship. Yeah, the it's kind of got like an X-ray vision. So you, the, the ship is rotating. And you can go in close. You can go in close and uh, and see. You can actually go right inside the ship and see what's going on inside it. So um, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's and then clever. you were just speaking before about the video of uh, of the bad guy in the boat. Yeah, yep. Which, yeah. Which, which you recorded and you showed me, and you're, you're just about to record it again today. Is that right? Yeah. So well, the bad guy in the novels is named the Pitbull, and uh, obviously evil and ugly and. And when I thought I might do a video of him for the first novel, I thought, now I need an actor. I need someone that can do this, do this justice. But I thought, if I'm going to get an actor for the first one, I'm going to have to get that same actor for the next four yeah, books. Yeah. I'm going to have to, you know. And I thought, you know, why don't I just have a crack at it myself? So I had a crack for the first book. And uh, and I found the stuff that you can splash on your face and it makes it all pucker up. So you got a big scar and uh, shaved my head and uh, and tried to look as evil as possible. <laughs> And uh, and it kind of kind of pulled it off, you know. Yeah, I'm no actor, but um, <laughs> I don't know. I thought you showed quite good acting talent yeah, in the clip I saw. But yeah, you got into it. It's funny, you know, that out of all the out of all the the digital stuff in the first novel, uh, that's the one the kids like the most. The video of you, yeah, is Pitbull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so so I've done that again. I have to. I'm doing it for the second book, and uh, it's a lot of fun actually. You know, it's another strange thing that you find. You don't. You know, I set up the entire lounge. I have, a, I have a fish tank because it's inside a ship. I have a fish tank there with a light, sh- with a mirror on the bottom of it and a light shining down so it makes the watery, you know, pattern on the wall. And uh, I've got the whole lounge just like covered in blankets and lights and torches and <laughs> yeah. I'm telling my wife to be quiet be and stop quiet. laughing and, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, I think that's one of the really key things I'm getting from, from your journey is that you talked before about the writing actually being five ten percent about of what you do, and you actually really really enjoy all of this other stuff, don't you? Yeah. You actually really enjoy. You enjoy the marketing. You enjoy getting out there. You enjoy reading stories to kids. You enjoy just building these other little bits to your stories, yeah. to your books. Well, it's all creativity, isn't it? That, you that's know? right. Yeah. And and there's nothing that kind of makes you feel more alive really than being creative, right? Creating something, yeah. And that's that's the great, um, you know, after twelve years working in a kind of office block um you know and i enjoyed don't be wrong i enjoyed being a journalist and i and i was the editor of element magazine which is a um which is an environmental magazine um and it was and it did really well it was like one of the only environmental magazines that went into a mainstream newspaper in the world i think i think might have been the only one won awards and so on it was it was cool but um and there was a certain element of creativity there but then after sort of four years in that role you start to cover the same stories you already have and you just go ah you know i need to freshen it up a little bit and i was and so this kind of came along at the perfect time really perfect time yeah yeah absolutely and so you you speak of i think five books in the dragon defenders series that's your plan yeah or maybe more who knows all right you you may not stop there so that that's at least a year and a half two years worth of work for you yeah any sort of you're gonna need a bigger garage you are for all those books right Unless you sell a few more, if you get yeah. through, through a few more, maybe. Um, is there is there a longer term plan for this? Is it like a five or ten year kind of goal here, or are you just enjoying this journey so far? 
Well, so I do want I do want to get my novel series um, around the world for sure. Right. And in fact, I, I did mean to say earlier that um, so augmented reality children's novels. There's plenty of augmented reality children's picture books, right. but as far as I can see, this is like one or two in the world. There's there's none basically. Wow. So um, so they're pretty unique, and I reckon I kind of got to strike while the iron's hot because this is so unique. So I'm hoping my American publisher will take them on. I think the the thing with them is they're waiting to see how the picture books go right. before they commit to the novel series. Yeah. Um, but I think the novel series has definitely got legs. So I want to, I want to, I'd love to see them around the world. Yeah. Um, the novels out there too. Fantastic. Yeah. And if they go, if they're successful around the world, then, um, you know, who knows? I, I do have an adult's novel in me at some point. Ah, right. So there is um, one. Yep. Yeah. I started writing one a long time ago, 10 years ago, maybe. And, yep. uh, Maybe a third of the way through that, right. so right. I'll have to rewrite it because it won't, yeah. won't be any good Go now. Back and revisit it, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, speaking of that, do you look at your earlier picture books and think, "Oh, I could do that better or do that again," or are you actually really content with, with oh, what you wrote? Yeah, there? no, there's a few little bits, but um, every time I reprint them, I make a oh, tweak or two. Yeah, all oh, right. So you might change a few words or sentences yeah. or something here. Yeah. Right, that's you can do that. All mm-hmm. oh, right, okay. Didn't even didn't even realize that. Yeah, yeah. I sort of. I was thought when you. I don't know. You, maybe you can, I, I <laughs> you guess can. you can. Yes, right. You don't. Yeah, you don't the boss. You can or can't. Yeah, do whatever you want. I was just. I, I mean, a, a, a beautiful book does stand the test of time and can be read for generations after generations. But um, they're so per- they're, well to me. They're quite a permanent thing. Yeah. And so to put something out and expect it to then be read in fifty years by some grandkids or great grandkids, I don't know. Is that a daunting thing or is that a really exciting thing? No, that's good. that's what you know. That's what I did them. Uh, I, and so when I got them printed. I put on really thick card on the front of the paperback, uh, hardbacks and the paperbacks. And I want, and I figure, I've kind of got this theory about, well, particularly adults' books, they'll either be like things of beauty. In fact, this is a theory I had about three years ago when I thought Kindles and so on were just going to take over, but I might be wrong about that now the way things are going. But I thought they'd either go one of two ways, they'd either just be disposable, consumable fiction that would all be digital, um, or they'd be these sort of beautiful treasure. books that you treasure yeah. yeah and and kids books are the same i i think um and kids books i never thought would go digital yeah um and i still kind of think that i yep. think that parents would always want you know yeah uh, you know proper books um but i thought you could you know there's a lot of just churned out paperbacks they might be good books but i want these to last you know and so they've got a real grunt to them when you hold them in your hand they're kind of beautiful to look at yep. and they're really beautifully produced yeah and i tried to get that up as the standard as high as possible yeah. please so speaking about all those extra costs that you have in, in writing and distributing your book one of the costs you were happy to bear was producing a good quality physical book yeah absolutely yeah and you know and you know fsc certified paper and you Great know choice. that costs more all the stuff so yeah. um but yeah i didn't want to didn't want a rainforest hack down for my book or um yeah but yeah so i really wanted it to be that that thing that you when you come to clearing out your children's bookshelves because they've grown up, I want it to be the one that you hold on to. I'm holding on to, yeah. to the Dragon Defenders. Yeah. Yeah, the series of those. You can go fantastic. to the grandkids, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Because I've got, you know, there's probably a dozen books that we've got at home that I read when I was a kid that my kid's now kids reading. Now got. Yeah. Yeah, great. The same physical copies. Mm. Yeah, amazing. How many times have you read your picture books to people? Hundreds. Thousands. Presumably thousands, thousands. of times. Yeah. You're sick of reading those? Uh, not really. No, you no. still enjoy them. Yeah. What about your kids? Have they heard them enough, or do they still every now and then happy to? 
They don't really hear them anymore. Okay. They really have moved on from them, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Or your family has moved on from those. But, yeah, well, I haven't said that. If I've got an event at a, at a, um, at a library or a bookstore, they, they love coming along. Oh, do they? Yeah, yeah. They love to come along. And then I can say, this is the real Flynn and Patty. And all, you know, they feel. They'd be heroes. They love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. How much longer they will, I don't know. You know, they're, they're 10 and. I know. They're in their teens, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're not going to enjoy dad stuff mm. pretty soon, but yeah. enjoy it while they do. Yeah, yeah I, well, I don't. I mean, I hope, hopefully, I haven't made a terrible mistake by naming the characters in the book after my sons. But um, you know, when they're twenty, they might just go, "Oh, why did he do dad, that?" You know, what are you thinking, mate? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're going and changing their name to something yeah. else, <laughs> Robert and Sam. Uh, who knows? All right, fantastic. Um, I, I think that's actually a really, really beautiful story, uh, and I commend you for your courage to go all in on this. Yeah, that's good. I think it's amazing. I, I, I actually wish more people would um, had the had the had the guts to do something like this. I, I really commend you for it, and I think you're, you're you've got something really amazing here, and you're committed to it. Feels to me like you really are committed to this. So yeah. I commend you on that. It's a ro- it's, it's, it's a roller coaster in terms of you're always doubting yourself. You're doubting whether the book's good enough. You kind of get an inkling. You know that it is deep down inside, but you're always thinking. Oh god! Is it, and then and then you get a rush of sales. You know, I might you know I might sell a whole bunch of books and go yes, and then there'll be a week without a sale, and I'm like oh oh no, this that's the end. That last rush was the last <laughs> sales I'm going to get. Ever again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so um, I don't know. Hopefully that gets better. I think it, yeah, maybe it's got a little better since I started, but it still feels like that. Still feels like it could crum, come crumbling down at any point. I, I yeah, I don't think you'll ever lose that. And I I just read a book by Elizabeth. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, sorry. Actually, I, might, I can't remember if I read a book or if I saw um, a TED talk or something from Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote a book that went really really well, Eat, Pray, Love. And she speaks of how that might actually be the best thing she will ever achieve in her life. Yeah. It's never ever ever going to reach that again. Yeah. And that plays on her mind every single day, which I, is true and kind of a horrible thing to say. So you actually just really need to enjoy the journey. True. You True, actually yeah. just need to enjoy what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I, um, you're obviously been self-employed for a long time, so yeah, you know that. You know those ups and downs. Yeah, yeah. We have, a... we have weeks where the phone doesn't ring, or we don't get any emails, and we think, "Is this the end of our career?" Yeah. And then, yeah. Next week, you're meeting multiple people, and it's all on again. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yep. Actually, I went to see Elizabeth Gilbert, and um, did you? And Auckland. Well, yeah, my wife was going, and I think somebody pulled out, and she had a spare ticket, and said, "You got to, you know, you may as well come." And I was like. Oh. Okay, you know, and she blew me away. She was incredible, right. incredible. Yeah. Well, she just she just stood there and gave a talk for a period of time. Or something. Yeah, Is that what just, it was? just about life in general, yeah. and you right. know how to, it was cool. She was just such a positive, amazing person. You great. know, really great. Yeah, are you are you in cohorts with a bunch of other authors? Do you hang out and chat and swap stories and this sort of stuff? Were you really just in your own little world with this? Uh, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit reclusive, I think, and it's not, you know, it's not uh, a good thing. But I do. Um, occasionally i'll be asked to go to an event or speak at an event i love doing that and i do love meeting you know and i'll meet other authors and so on there but there are a bunch of uh like associations and facebook groups and so on that i kind of you know i'm i'm a part of but i don't really not active not really yeah don't really care to be honest yeah no i i, I, I watch with interest what all <laughs> the other authors are doing yeah um and you know that's great but i i'm just one of those people that i don't really like writing something on a Facebook post or commenting on something very much, you know? Absolutely. 
I just sort of go, oh, do I really want to put that out or do I you know, just, no, I just don't do it. You know? yeah, 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 keep it to yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. R- continue writing good books. Yeah. Not silly Facebook posts or yeah. commenting on other people's problems, right? I mean, I like reading them. I quite, yeah, honestly, <laughs> the discussions are awesome sometimes, but yeah. yeah, I just don't feel compelled to kind of join in. Contribute. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. All right. That's fantastic, James. I think we'll wrap it up here because I've got um, uh, some really, really good things here and I really, really appreciate your time. No trouble. Nice to meet you. Great. So, thanks Great. again for coming down here showing me this little part of the world that means so much to you and telling me your story and sharing, yeah. sharing your books with me should it's fantastic should we wander down to the avocado watch it you want to check it out yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go you got to climb the trees it's a long way up oh right oh, we'll yeah. give it a go we'll give it a go I've still got some time so yeah let's get into it cool fantastic okay. thanks heaps mate alright appreciate it hey so welcome back thanks for listening and how was that as you might have been able to tell I was just a little bit excited talking to James I'm a massive kids book fan I read them every single night to my kids and I do harbour secret desires of writing myself, even though I don't use my morning commute quite as smart as James does. But anyway, fantastic story, fantastic books. I've got three of the early picture books on my shelf, and I'm looking forward to moving on to the the older children's novels as my kids get a little bit older as well. So, a few key takeaways from today's talk. In fact, possibly four. And the first big one, as I hinted at at the start of this podcast, was side hustle. What are you doing on your bus ride? How are you spending your spare time? Are you sitting on the couch in the evenings, Netflix and chilling? Or are you using those two hours productively? You know, you've got a nine to five or something else that takes up a lot of your day. But come on, you've got at least a couple of 30 minute commutes in the morning and evening. You've got a couple of hours per night. You might even be able to allocate a whole day of your weekend to something. I reckon that's about 15, 20 hours a week that you could actually be putting towards something else. Do you want to know something crazy? For the majority of the last two years, I've been running most of my wedding photography business on roughly 20 hours a week. Tell you what, I've definitely put this podcast together just in my evenings. I think you'd be surprised on what you can achieve in those in-between hours and that downtime. Get off social, delete your Netflix account, and use that time to create something. Please, for you, for all of us. Secondly, the hustle. Look at James's hustle. He's not only writing, as he says, that might be 5% of it. He's publishing, he's marketing, he's distributing. How lazy does that make you feel? Certainly make me feel a little bit inadequate. The third thing, and I summarised this up while I was chatting to him, is that he's just a creative. Okay, he's a writer, I'm a photographer. You've got your own little niche that you're following, but fundamentally we're all creatives. And why just limit yourself to just writing? I think a big part of James's success is applying his creativity to other parts of his business, building his paper mache marketing tools, implementing AR in his books, visiting and reading to kids in schools, recording himself for his silly little videos that were part of his book. The list goes on and on and on. But generally, he's just applying his creative skills to whatever he can to further the reach of his book, which has to be commended. Forget that you're a photographer, writer, painter, What else can you do with that creativity that you've got? And you know, there's one final thing about James that really struck me, was his positivity. How many times did he mention that something was fortuitous, something happened and it turned out to be a blessing? You know what? How many times do you think he made decisions that weren't that great? In retrospect, they were not good decisions. I'm sure they're there, but I'm not sure he remembers them, and I'm not sure he cares. He's a completely positive person. I really, really love that attitude. So there's my three or four key things that I got out of James's interview. 
I'd love to know what you thought. Leave a comment in the show notes or hit me up on social. Let me know what you thought. Keen to hear from you. Thanks. Until next time. Ciao.